the Real Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. And we have a fantastic show for you guys. Julie and I have been writing down, and we've been doing this since the beginning, well, probably really intensely for the past six months. We've been keeping track of all the sort of success-killing bad habits that some of you guys are demonstrating. And these come from coaching calls. These come from emails. These come from the private Facebook group. These come from just basically life in general. All the things, and, and this is a pretty concise list, and you guys know us if you're regular listeners. We'll do our best to stick to our 15 points, but it'll probably become 20. But this is really designed to help you guys be introspective. And what I want everyone to do is consider writing these points down and using these as your own personal litmus test, your own personal filter to run your own thinking through to decide whether or not you indeed are starting to exemplify any of these bad behaviors, any of these bad habits, any of these bad ways of thinking. Julie, welcome to today's show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here and share the show with you as always. I've got a couple of quick shout-outs before we get to our uh, success-killing bad habits that they must absolutely stop now and replace with great habits. We'll get to that in a second if you're ready for shout-outs. Yeah, absolutely. Always. Always acknowledge These our listeners and our coaching clients. Let everyone know that we do listen. And guys, remember, if you ever need to get a hold of us, the easiest way to do it is just to go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com and request a free coaching call. And when you do, we'll give you uh, all, well, six of our books and, uh, you know, Real Estate Treasure Map and uh, probably the one that all of you guys want to download first. Re- do the Real Estate Treasure Map. At the same time, you're reading Think and Grow Rich for Real Estate. Those two books are really, I think, the cornerstone of what should be on everyone's real estate educational bookshelf. So get those two books. We're going to give them to you for free. Hell, you guys can pop over to Amazon and buy them if you'd like to, but I'm going to give them to you for free. Just download them, um, and they're right there for you to have. Again, it's Real Estate Treasure Map, Think and Grow Rich for Real Estate. All you have to do is go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com, and when you do, you're also going to be entitled to a coaching call with one of our new member coaches who will help you get started on the Real Estate Treasure Map, a.k.a. our business plan. So, Julie, shout-outs, please. Yes, too. Uh, Vicki Durandis in Dale City, Virginia says, good morning, guys. This is from our private Facebook page for our coaching members. Good morning, guys. I'm super excited because I'm preparing to take on my biggest listing ever at 825000 Seller called me to let me know as soon as her contract ends, she is going to ask me to list it. So this is an expired that Vicki's going to handle. And then there's some discussion on the page about how to handle a luxury listing and um, lots of different interaction there. And of course, it's something that we cover in our premier class as well. So good job. Job, Vicki, 825, excellent work. And of course, we'll help you make sure that you don't just take it, but you keep it and you sell it and you get paid. It's ideal to be the listing agent when it actually closes. So too bad for the one it's expiring on, but it's great for you. All right. Uh, from Master Binds, here's an interesting thought. We got into this in the premier coaching class a little bit about the importance of having not just one lender at your fingertips. A lot of times brokers will say, you got to use our in-house lender or use the guy I use. We had gotten into a discussion about the value of having multiple lenders in multiple different uh, types of lending. Master Bind says, 
on the Facebook page. He decided to have uh, several to reach out to because they all have different loan product, products. As a result, he has one appointment with a different loan officer, three different pre-approvals. One is handling an out-of-state person, one for a local one, and another pre-approval with different lenders for different reasons. And he goes on to say, and I agree with, we as agents have to become knowledgeable to give our clients more options. Sometimes giving them more options really is the difference between doing the deal and not doing the deal. Some lenders will say, I can't pre-approve them, not because they're not pre-approvable, but because they don't have the product that that particular client is right for. So that was a big discussion, and, and I'm glad to see that Masterminds and many of our other listeners have taken that to heart and expanded and had you know a, a regular conventional lender, an FHA, a VA, a first-time buyer, you know maybe a jumbo person. They're not necessarily the same guy. So back to you, Tim, and then I'm ready for uh, our talk about killing bad habits. That's right. So guys, listen, be honest with yourself. We're going to run by you. We're going to go through a lot of these relatively quick. And I want you to really ask yourself whether you're exhibiting any of these bad habits. And I'm going to give you a little uh, little hint here. When I say, Julie and I talk about a particular bad habit, if you feel any kind of resistance in your gut usually, if you feel any kind of like anger, any kind of consternation whatsoever – that is a bad habit that you have, and that bad habit is trying to keep its stranglehold on you so you'll continue to essentially nourish it. And that really truly is uh, something to look out for. When you feel an actual physical reaction to something that we say, chances are whatever we're saying is where you need to be focusing your energies on improving. The old saying is wherever, you're, wherever you persist – or whatever you resist persists. Wherever you re- or in whatever you resist persists. So if you feel any resistance, don't allow it to persist because it's probably one of the things that are holding you back from becoming essentially the person of your dreams, the fantasy version of you. So listen, guys, 15 success killing bad habits. You must stop now. And again, so these are we're going to go through these relatively quick, but they're pretty fun. I'm going to give you guys number one. Bad habit number one. Bad habit number one. Write this down. You lack focus. And focus stands, of course, as Julie said, follow one course until successful. So please write that down. Focus means follow one course until successful. Lack of stick, uh, sticky, uh, stick-to-itiveness and stick stopping and starting of productivity. Yeah. Right. You guys don't stay focused long enough. You guys will start something, go to one thing, go to the other. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to work on that point just ever so slightly. The problem is a lot of you guys don't know what to focus on. You don't know where your focus should be because it's so damn confusing nowadays because there's so many companies that are trying to sell you guys. I mean, selling stuff to real estate agents has to have become a billion-dollar-a-year industry now with all these companies that are trying to sell lead generation, lead follow-up, this, that, the other, all these little silver, shiny bullet, easy button type things. So I get it. It, Are you going to be focusing on Facebook ads? Are you going to be building your team? Are you going to be doing this, the other thing? Hey, guess what, guys? It's a big mess, isn't it? And it's very difficult to know where to focus. And that's where really the the focus of the focus should really truly be whatever is going to put you directly in front of a buyer or seller, preferably a seller, the quickest with virtually like, you know, literally today you pick up the phone. You then literally today go to an appointment and meet with the seller. That's where you should be focusing. Whatever is going to put you in a position to help others and make money. We don't have time to go through all of the 50 different ways we show you guys how to lead generate. But I will tell you this. The bottom line with what we do is we focus on helping you guys become powerful listing agents because when you do, you don't have to ever consider buying buyer leads. You could stop 
you know, working every, you know, waking moment of the day if you're focusing on listing agents. The things that basically diminish your experience in, in terms of, like, your fulfillment uh, are the things that basically are the very things you need to stop focusing on because they're going to be the least effective. In other words, the buyer leads, the buying the buyer leads, the doing all these other things that take up all your time, your, ni- your nights and your weekends, those are the types of things that we want to give you permission to question whether or not you want to continue doing them and pivot all your best energy so you can focus on becoming a powerful listing agent. Julie, point number two. Bad habit number two, never mastering the basics to begin with. So some salient examples, hiring a team before you yourself have the skill to manage or hold them accountable, thinking it's normal to take 50% of your listings and only have buyers work out occasionally, so that gets back to never mastering the basics to begin with, and thinking you already know it all just because you've been in the business a long time. That doesn't mean you mastered the basics. That just means you got your license a while ago. So there's a little bit of be honest here. What are the basics that continue to bite you and cause you to not take every listing that you go on, to not have every buyer actually get the house of their dreams with you? What are the basics that you've got to clean up? And so the short list, look at what makes you money. Lead generation. Most agents, that's an issue. And if you've got that figured out, then it's lead follow-up. Pre-qualifying, presenting, negotiating, closing. Where are your skills weak? It's time to fix those. So that's a bad habit, continuing to go through life with that bad habit. Number three, bad habit number well, you three. Know what, let's, yeah, go ahead. Soul your old sister. Hover. Let's go give them let's – let's just really drive down this because I personally, when I when, – you know, this is forever ago. When someone told me I never mastered the basics and we were already selling hundreds of houses a year, I was like, shut the hell up. You don't know what you're talking about. Right. But then it wasn't until I actually started to slow down and realize that it was true. I mean, look, we, we sold over 100 houses when we were in our early 20s forever ago. But the truth is is that we did not have the basics mastered. We just basically happened to be smart enough to have mastered the, the or at least be working towards mastery of things that were going to result in us taking listings and doing transactions. I mean, we were smart enough to go after the inventory, which is what we want all of you guys to do as well. But look, it's very difficult when you're especially when you're building momentum for someone to convince you that you haven't mastered the basics. And the best example actually isn't a real Yes, the best example isn't a, a real estate example. The best example is actually an example from Julie's professional music career. So, Julie, if you don't mind, tell them the experience about uh, you know piano and all that, and share with them with detail yeah. what basically the pain, so they can understand. <laughs> well, yeah. So I've always been a musician, grew up playing piano, but my I was mainly a flute person, right? Played in orchestras, bands, stuff like that. You take piano as a background to support your other music interests because piano is like learning your alphabet so you can spell. Okay. So I always took piano lessons from my flute teacher who just taught piano on the side, okay, or some iteration of that, somebody that just was a, known as a good piano teacher. Well, fast forward until I got through a lot of music school, played in a lot of great things flute-wise, but I wanted to actually learn piano. So I found a, quote, real piano teacher. When we were living in Las Vegas, and my real piano teacher was starring in a Cirque du Soleil show, actually went to Juilliard and graduated as a piano performance major. Well, let me tell you. Well, hold on. There is hold a on, world on, of difference. He, yes. he, he didn't just star in a Cirque du Soleil show. He and, he and his partner he, were actually the Cirque du Soleil show. They created show. it. They, yes. They created like, it. So he, this guy wasn't just basically playing talented. piano in the orchestra pit. He was no, on no, no. stage he playing piano. He was the show. Okay. He is the show. He was the show. Yeah. Okay. 
Yes. Yeah, and not just in Vegas, but all over Sorry. the world. So, you know, like right. totally different than, you know, your little recital hall at the, uh, you know, the back of Starbucks or something. Um, so yeah. it wasn't until I started taking lessons with him that I realized, and I'm pretty good at creating workarounds, and like, you know, I never really practiced, hacks. you know, kind of hacks. I, I could make it work out. I could figure it out on my own. But it, with him, it was like a laser focus of all of the crazy workarounds that I did that actually, though they worked, were highly inefficient, highly ineffective, and didn't have any systematization to them, which is why he ground me to death on scales and scales and scales, all these different you know arpeggios and all of the basic stuff, which gets back to scripts, if I make a real estate analogy, learning what to say, how to say it, all of those types of things that, yeah, you can be really successful. I mean, I consider myself to be a pretty successful musician. And yet, when somebody really knows their stuff, I mean, I kind of started to hate my lessons. It was kind of painful, you know. You did. Uh, be- you tried to avoid because them. Because it's so freaking them. hard. And I still do. Yeah. And I, that's why I'm not doing it now is because I'm not sure I can hack it. <laughs> now, fortunately, my life doesn't depend on my piano skill at this point. But if it did... I would be in kind of a different uh, world of pain. So the point, in, and I appreciate you bringing that up, was that I thought sort of. I pretty much had it figured out. <laughs> sort of, yes. Thanks for bringing that pain back. But, uh, it, yeah, I mean, there's a difference between getting by and doing well and, like, actually knowing what you're doing. Well, there's a huge but Joy, difference. Let me ask you some, but let me ask you yeah. some questions, okay? Because I want sure. these guys – it's it's easier to be introspective about your own behaviors if you're hearing somebody else express their yeah, own learning cycle. You. And it, that's one of the okay, right? So here I'm going to ask you some questions, okay? When yeah. you were what's his name again? Remind me, your piano Raja. guy, piano teacher. Raja. Raja. Okay. Raja. So when you had Raja basically as your teacher, I remember he would basically be in Malaysia or he'd be in Macau or he'd be some freaking place yeah. playing, being featured, and you'd Skype. have these Skype piano lessons with him, right? And I remember, yeah. do remember quite clearly, listening to you on your piano, and our, you know, we had a condo, on, we still do a condo on the strip in Vegas, and I remember listening to you pluck away at the piano, thinking how basic your playing sounded, because I've heard you yeah. play, and you could play beautifully, and and I remember how frustrated you were after, you, it wasn't a good experience, and how you tried to avoid it, oh. and how when the Skype connection sucked, you'd secretly celebrate it, you, you know, you'd be happier. yeah. <laughs> well, but, the, yeah. but let's be honest, That's there true. was an ego thing that was holding oh, you back for sure. from admitting that, well, then talk about that. Yeah. Well, in retrospect now, I actually see how much harder I made it on myself. Now, part of that is because I didn't know the difference for a long time. But once you have some success, you start to believe that the success is because of you, not because of a combination of circumstances plus a little bit of luck and a lot of practice, which all is important. But, yeah, I I think it is extremely difficult to go back and rebuild. And I, I see that with our top producers, just like I saw that with myself with some music, as having to go back and backtrack. And having to relearn is indeed more stressful than learning it right in the first place. So in but a Julie, sense – specifically – Yeah. But specifically, yeah, though, I want you to talk about specifically the resistance you had wasn't because he was asking you to do things that were physically impossible for you to do with your fingers, playing the hitting yeah. the keys on the piano. It was mentally impossible. You already had all the, you already yeah. had all the digital dexterity that you possibly needed to Mostly. play. Yeah. What the help? What the holdup was? The holdup was well, was yeah. the emotions, Julie. Was the yes. emotions and and the you can stop agreeing because you're talking over me. It sounds a little crappy on the podcast. Okay. 
So the emotions that were holding you back were the ego was basically making you resist wanting to actually have new thoughts enter your mind. That's specifically what I want you to share with our listeners. Yeah, well, admitting that you have a problem is part of the start of it. And it's hard to admit that you have a problem when you have had success, right? So the success makes your ego bigger than your skill. And that's a problem because then you Talk can hit a that. wall thinking you, you know everything. That's when your brain shuts off your ability to learn and absorb. And then when you do you finally go. hit the wall, it's like, well, how can you possibly – what do you mean by that? I mean, I can play this until you hear somebody play it right. I can, you know – I mean, like I hear this from our, uh, from our clients, right? They're fine. Here's the typical manifestation of this, if I bring it back to real estate. What do I need a pre-listing package for? I've taken every listing I've gone on, right? I must have a lot of skill because I don't hear no. Until you dig deeper and find out that the only listings that that agents have gone on is people they knew who already trusted them. What if you're on the spot and you're competing, just like if I was at a piano competition and I had to be against people who actually had the skill that I had created workarounds for, I'd be killed, right? So what if you take that agent who had all the confidence in the world having taken every single listing they went on, but now you drop them off in a neighborhood that's 300000 higher than they're used to, and they have to compete against four or five other agents, are they still going to win that listing, especially when they go in with all ego and not enough skill? Oh, I don't need a pre-listing package. Nope, not until you lose that listing, and then you come to us for your pre-listing package. Don't have to learn it that way. I well, think that's, that's, that's the essence at. of it, though, right? Yeah, yeah, it was. That was the essence of what I wanted everyone to hear, is that you know Julie's experience as a musician is experience that not very many people are willing to put themselves through, right? It's the truth. How many of you guys right now have the courage and have the fortitude have the dedication to your craft, which is being the best version of a real estate salesperson as you can. How many of you guys actually have enough respect for your goals that are willing to do what Julie did and put herself in essence in harm's way, you know, with regards to taking piano Thanks, lessons Julie. from Raja? Not very many people. And you know what, guys? That's the difference between somebody who ultimately becomes a, an expert and someone who just acts like they're an expert or says or tries to adopt the expert label even though they know that they can't. So when you see – it takes a lot of honest – Julie just touched on a bunch of things. She said, look, if you notice that all your business is essentially from your centers of influence and past clients, it's from – you have a knowledge gap in how to get more business. If you notice that all your deals are in the same price range of the, you know, what you're most comfortable with, it's the same thing. You're back where Julie was before she hired Raja. And look, Julie was an accomplished musician. She used to win all of her competitions, and she used to do all this stuff when she was a kid, and all this – I've known her since forever. Right, So she used to dominate everything, and she thought she was hot shit as a musician. And then she hired Raja, yeah. and Raja basically <laughs> put her into a you know, boot camp. Yeah, but yeah. you know what, Julie, from a, from a <sighs> developmental perspective, music aside, mm-hmm. I know it gives you anxiety. That's the reason yeah. you were talking so fast a second. So listeners, when you heard Julie talking and <laughs> you know she was getting real nervous, that was her actually reliving the anxiety of having another lesson with Raja. I know yeah. what's going on. <laughs> but that's exactly. what you guys have to be realizing is that if you're willing to do what Julie was willing to do, if you're willing to actually say, you know what, I might be good. Hell, I might even be the best that I know. I might even be better than every. You know, everyone in the room thinks I'm the greatest. But if you stop there, you're going to stop growing. You're going to stop getting better, and you're going to stop being able to be service to enough people. And you guess what? You're going to stop making money because you'll become irrelevant. That's how it works. That's what essentially that's what life is. I didn't make the rules. That's just the way it works. So have the courage, guys, to actually – sorry for taking you through that, Julie. You want to take a break? 
<laughs> Bye. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Never mastering the basics. Sorry. Point number three, Jill, you could do that. Uh, you want me to get it started and you can read the points? Why don't we do it that yeah. way? Okay. There you go. <laughs> All right. Still you guys can always tell when I you guys can always tell when I take Julie off script, can't you? <laughs> Success habits number three, believing the hype about how rich people get rich, that they must have inherited it, won the lottery, or cheated someone else to get it. And that has be, that's always, there's always been an undercurrent of that in society, all societies, by the way, but now it's become a widely held belief that rich people basically stole it from somebody else. Julie? Yeah, so here's your introspection. What are your core beliefs about wealth? Do you believe it's good or do you believe it's evil? And we could do – I think we probably have done a whole show about that. Uh, it relates to scarcity versus abundance. Do you believe that when someone else has wealth, it automatically means that someone else doesn't, that they're wealthy because they took it from someone else? That's a scarcity mindset versus the abundance mindset that believes there's there, there is enough to go around. So here's something to think about. Who do you know who is wealthy, and what do you know about how they achieved that success? Could be a lack of exposure to wealthy people who run successful ethical businesses helping a multitude of people. So this is and we talked about this on a previous show. This is why we recommend that you expand your center of influence and you go and do things that are maybe a, another level up from what you normally do. So going to art shows, going to auctions, being exposed to people who you know are wealthy, but not just saying, hey, you know what, they drop up in a really nice car. I wonder what their story is. Actually get to know some people. Talk to them. That's why when we have you guys do masterminds and stuff like that, we always say it doesn't have to be and probably is better if it's not all real estate people. So get better exposure to wealthy people who actually run successful ethical businesses and they, who are wealthy because they're able to help enough people, which leads to my next micro point, if you don't have the wealth you need for yourself and your family to achieve your goals, you haven't figured out how to help enough people at a high enough level to earn that income versus saying, just, oh, well, the, the wealthy are stealing and using that as your excuse. We should hover there, right? We should hover mm-hmm. there. That's, that's the essence of the disconnection between the widely believed populist view of rich people versus reality. Okay, there's the disconnect right there. What if, listeners, look, some of you guys right now, remember the little anxiety feeling I told some of you guys would be feeling? Whenever we talk about money, whenever we talk about this type of thing, I know it creates some of that anxiety. So if you're feeling some of that anxiety, if you're trying to rationalize your lack of financial abundance by saying, I didn't have the opportunities that you know someone else had. I wasn't given, I didn't have the education. I wasn't growing up in the right communities. I, you have all your litany of excuses. You have them, you hold them. Those things dear because of the very thing I tried it it didn't work I'll never try it again I have not come up with my big idea yet once I do my a hundred I form my big team I do the other thing I do the other thing then I'll be wealthy you guys have all these excuses not to actually do it and those excuses oh my gosh you hold those onto your body like a worm uh, blanket in the middle of the coldest winter and the reason you do that is because it gives you an excuse not to actually do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level isn't that scary but true now julie just said something that was really critical jules read that last point again if you don't have the wealth that you need for yourself and your family to achieve your goals you haven't figured out how to help enough people at a high enough level to earn that income that's all it means so that's as simple as it gets so the, the folks that have financial abundance 
have financial abundance for the most part, not because they inherited it, not because they were born under a lucky star, not because they basically had a hip rap album, not because they got a you know Formula One contract with Ferrari, not because they basically – you guys get the point. Those things hardly ever happen, not even worth even talking about. Those are the sort of the myths of how people get rich. But the reality of it is, is the folks that actually accumulate wealth, most of the people that you read about and hear about, those are the celebrity types. Those are the sort of the, the, the mythical ones that are sort of the fantasy stories. But the guy next door to you, the guy two doors down, the neighbor you know, the dentist you know, the things, the other, these guys who have accumulated millions of dollars, they know, maybe they can't verbalize it. Most of them probably wouldn't be able to verbalize it, but they practice this, which is, by the way, always actions more important than you know words. So the actions that they take result in them being able to help enough people accomplish their goals that in turn they accomplish theirs. So if you don't have the abundance in your life that you want, that you feel like you deserve, you haven't earned it yet. And the, way, the reason you haven't earned it yet is because you have yet to accept the fact that you have to help more people accomplish their goals. You have to help more people essentially accomplish what they want to accomplish in life. And the byproduct of that is money. The byproduct of that is success. The byproduct of that is everything that you want in life. When you're helping other people, do you guys get that? Look, this isn't Tim and Julie's philosophy. This isn't something we read in a motivational book. This isn't something we've read or come across any other place other than just pure experience. And I want you guys to learn it, internalize it, accept it, because when you do, what's on the other side of that thought? If you look at your current life situation and you're driving a 20-year-old Camry and you're living in a you know, a house that's falling down and you're wearing clothes that smell like, you know, God knows what. And you're just basically, this isn't how you thought you'd be living your life right now. If you're not exactly, if, if, if you aren't exceeding your expectations for your life at this point, listening to this podcast, at this day and age, you know, most of you, 99% of you living in America, if you're not experiencing a life of abundance, given all the opportunities you have around you, I promise you it's because you think that rich people had some innate, inherent, inside advantage. That's what popular culture wants you to believe. You can't be rich because you didn't go to Harvard. I didn't go to Harvard, neither did Julie. We went to Ohio State. Okay, you can't be rich if you didn't grow up in these neighborhoods. We didn't grow up in fancy neighborhoods. You can't be so you have all these excuses that you basically sort of internalized without knowing it. They've become subversive in your ability to actually become rich. That is a fact because you believe it, because you've internalized it, because you talk about it, because you read things to reinforce it. You watch movies to reinforce it. Oh, they're rich because he got that, you know, he, he had sold his patent or he took a company public. Guys, look, the bottom line is, is that if you're not experiencing incredible abundance in your life, it's simply for the fact that you've yet to accept that you have to learn how to help enough people accomplish their goals in life. Oh, hold on, Tim. Are you telling me that Tom Cruise, who gets paid probably 25 to $35 million a movie, you explain to me he's only doing one acting thing and all of a sudden basically he's making all this money. I think there's a disconnect there. No, there's not. Because I don't know about you guys, but I think Tom Cruise is a great actor. I'm not the greatest, but a great actor. And when I go to watch a Tom Cruise movie, I am taken away. I'm like, you know, it, I'm, it, I've become part of the movie. I'm enjoying it. It's making me feel good, okay? And he makes millions and millions of people feel good. That's the reason he's rich, because he is making other people feel a certain way. He's releasing them from their daily monotony, their daily stress. His acting is enough that it makes people – you guys get the point? 
And so if you look at a successful doctor, he's not – look, he – He's just a doctor, but he's helping enough people. If you look at a successful insurance guy, if you look at a successful entrepreneur, they're figuring out that what, I, what they have done is they've figured out a way to create a product that basically is solving enough people's problems at such quantity that they're able to basically accumulate enough money that they're becoming rich or are rich. Rich is where your money works for you, and you no longer have to work for your money. So, guys, we're going to pick up tomorrow where we left off today. Hopefully this is a topic that's resonating with all of you. If there's ever anything we can do for you, you guys, email me directly, Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. So make sure you tune in tomorrow to see what new ways I actually think of to make my wife uncomfortable during her podcast. You Game guys on. Have, I'll oh, come up with on? my own. I, I thought you <laughs> yeah, hung up. I thought you hung uh-huh. up. <laughs> Busted. Oh, I didn't know you were still listening. Oh, well. Uh-huh. You're going to come okay. You're gonna come completely and ready oh, tomorrow, aren't you? That's right. That's it. It's all over now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. right. So, guys, listen, if there's ever anything we can do for you, it's Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on on the radio show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at TimAndJulieHarris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.